for the win. It's good. Fires over the middle. Collins at the goal line. Touchdown, Miners. This is the Mineshaft, a UTEP football podcast, part of the Republic of Football Network. Now here's your host, Colin Deaver, and former UTEP kicker, Gavin Beckley. Welcome back, everybody, to the Mineshaft Podcast, a Republic of Football, Dave Campbell's Texas Football Podcast. I'm your host, Colin Deaver, along with my co-host, Gavin Beckley, former UTEP kicker, the Conference USA Special Teams Player of the Year in 2022. We left that off the intro to the podcast on accident last week. I apologize, sir. It's all good. You know, being a specialist, pretty used to being left out of stuff, so. <laughs> we'll make sure we don't do it anymore uh, after this. Um First of all, I want to say we just were going through our metrics from the first episode last week, and uh, both of us were pretty pleased with the numbers. 480 total downloads of the first episode of the Mindshaft podcast, hoping to uh, get bigger and better. But thank you to everybody who downloaded, tuned in last week um, on our, to our first episode. And Gavin, we got some kind of cool news here. Um, the home field, it's a clothing uh company that does kind of throwback um merchandise for different college teams they today dropped their utep line um, oh nice and yeah it, they, i was looking at it, some of the stuff earlier today it's really cool but here on the mineshaft podcast we can actually help you get a discount when you purchase stuff with the for your first time purchase you can get 15 percent off using the promo code DCTF. So that's for a first time purchase. We will actually have our own promo code for the mineshaft here pretty quickly. Um, I'm hoping to have it. I was hoping to have it uh, by today. Unfortunately, we don't, but we should have one soon that um, I'm, I'm thinking it will probably just be mineshaft or something like that, that people can use again, not totally ready yet. I'll let you guys know, but very exciting. Uh, it makes us seem like we're, we know what we're doing, Gavin. Yeah. It sounds like we're pretty official now. I, which I mean, I guess we are 480 downloads. <laughs> Look at us. So, um, busy week for UTEP football. They are exactly one week into camp now. We're recording this on Thursday, August 3rd. Um, so they've had now this today was their seventh practice because they took Tuesday off to start after starting last Thursday. They've been in full pads for a little while as well. So, uh, we'll get into fall camp discussion. We will have, uh, I want to. We'll play some interviews from a few of the players that I got uh, in the last week or so. We'll go through what we think the Miners will finish this year as far as their record. Gavin's going to have a story, and then we'll close it out with some listener questions. Um, but, Gavin, I wanted to start with kind of the story that took the city of El Paso as well as Las Cruces by storm. I think it was on Tuesday afternoon. A radio guy in Utah reported that UTEP and New Mexico State had sent materials to the Mountain West Conference and that there was, quote, mutual interest between the two sides if the Mountain West were to elect to add more teams or would need to add more teams if conference realignment dominoes fell uh, ahead of them. Obviously, I think our listeners are probably familiar with what's going on with the Pac-12 right now, Arizona, Arizona State, maybe going to the Big 12 along with Utah, Colorado already left, Oregon and Washington maybe going to the Big 10. So don't totally know what's going to happen. Um, and anyways, this the report was that this could potentially affect, affect the borderland schools. Uh, I was told by multiple people at both UTEP and New Mexico State that there have been absolutely no materials shared by either <laughs> school with the Mountain West as of now. And that's as of now, there's just been really no discussions. Now, you are a graduate of UTEP. Uh, I've covered the school for this will be my sixth season now. I don't think it's any secret that both UTEP and New Mexico State would love to get into the Mountain West. Um, but there's certain things that kind of hold them back from doing so right now. And um, as of now, like I said, as of now, Gavin, there's no really paperwork or whatever, whatever the wording was, there's no paperwork that's being exchanged between either side. Yeah. You had said earlier when we were kind of chatting up about it, that he had confirmed a report or something from, and then we, we didn't know that there was already a report out there or anything. So we were kind of confused about who he was confirming that from, but couldn't find anything. But I mean, 
Mountain West, I mean, that's in my opinion, I think I think Conference USA is not represented as well and it's not not necessarily as good as a conference as other places, but I feel like it's kind of seen as a lower conference. So I feel that Mountain West would definitely be a a step in the right direction if if UTEP did did kind of go that way, um, playing bigger teams and and better teams than in CUSA, and I think that would give UTEP some some good exposure if if that was a uh, to happen. I definitely agree with that, and I think Conference USA we discussed it a little bit on the first episode. Like they did a pretty good job of regrouping with the last uh, round of conference realignment a couple of years ago, but certainly. I think if they had their way, North Texas and Florida Atlantic, all those schools that left, they would still be in Conference USA. The other thing for this is for New Mexico State, like they just joined Conference USA as it is. Like, yeah, the, the exit fees and entrance fees that they would have to pay to immediately move to the Mountain West. I mean, I don't, that's not a school that's rolling in money, neither is UTEP for that matter, but the amount of money that they would have to pay to like immediately jump to another league. Like, I just don't know how feasible that would be um, for NMSU. And again, they just joined conference USA. I, I, I just think it would be a bad look for them to kind of be immediately looking to move on. UTEP, of course, as we know, has been in the league for 18 years and is kind of, I guess the flagship, if you want to call it that of the conference. Um, but no, I think it like you said it, I mean, it, it certainly would be a better league for them geographically makes a whole lot more sense too. No. Yeah, definitely. I remember we had just picked up our first win on the East coast against Charlotte this year. And I know that, you know, flying all the way across to the East coast, whether it was playing FAU, FIU, Charlotte, any of those teams, it was always not the best thing to have three, four hour plane rides all the way across. Cause that's just, a very very long time and i mean geographically moving to the mountain west those things those teams are all relatively located around kind of where utep is obviously we're not in the middle but geographically speaking they're all kind of in the same place so i feel like that would definitely take a lot of of the stress of the plane rides and everything off of of utep and and hopefully uh give them like i said some more exposure whenever it comes to um getting on the main stage Quick tangent off the, you mentioned the plane rides to the East Coast. And I think with charter jets, like it kind of changes things a little bit, like it makes it a little bit easier. But for you as players, does that do you do you think those long flights affected you guys at all at, at any point during those road trips, you know, over the years that you played? Um, I don't necessarily think it's the long plane rides. It's just kind of like the time differences that you go to. Cause obviously if you're going from the all the way from where UTEP is, which is, what is that, Mountain West time? Yeah. yeah. And then going all the way to East Coast time, it's two hours ahead, two hours behind, whichever. Don't don't quote me on that. But it's just kind of your body's not as ready as if you're playing it at home whenever it comes to that. So if it's game times, it's 7 o'clock our time, but then it's 9 o'clock that time. It's just kind of kind of throws your body off a little bit. And they're, the other team's used to that. So it's just kind of one of those things where – you can prepare everything, have a good game plan, everything, but going in there and then your body just seems a little off than what it's used to. And it's, it's not the best feeling when you go out there, but you just have, it's some adversity that you have to go ahead and fight through. Yeah. I mean, certainly if I think UTEP and NMC, like if, if the day comes where they can get into the mountain West, um, they both would certainly welcome. And I just don't think it's imminent at this point. Yeah. Um, just, I'm so tired of talking about conference realignment, man. It's been <laughs> two years of it. Like, it's just going to be so weird to have USC and UCLA playing Rutgers in Maryland as a conference game. Like, it's just some of the stuff is is just ridiculous. Um, I, I think that this is just the start of that, too. I think that oh, yeah. it's going to continue for the next however long. It, like, same thing as kind of the transfer portal, how that thing's taken, taken everyone by storm and everything, and people are just – up and leaving. I think that's going to be the same thing with, with realignment, what's going to happen. For sure. Well, let's get into some fall camp now. Like I said, seven day seven was today, uh, Thursday, um, out at glory fields. Um, I missed the first Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I missed the first four cause I was at a wedding in new Orleans. Uh, I do not regret going at all. So <laughs> apologies to the Miners fans who maybe were, if they were mad that I wasn't there, Sam Guzman held down the fort, just not just fine for us though here at KTSM. But 
Um, made sure I was out there Monday, Tuesday, and then today. I'm sorry, Monday, Wednesday, and then today, so we could have uh, some stuff to talk about today. Um, and I, I want to first discuss a little bit more on the running backs and specifically Deion Hankins. I know we discussed that a little bit earlier, um, but man, he just looks unbelievable. Um, how much good muscle he's put on, um, and his mindset, his, he just seems, he just seems so, and it makes sense, right? He's 22, 23 years old now. Um, he just seems so locked in and ready to go. He's coming off 700 yard season last year. And he's just, it just looks like a different guy. Um, and I can't quite explain it. Um, I just think he's going to be in for a big year. And I know you haven't been out here to see it, but, um, have you heard anything about, you know, how he's, how he looks, you know, from, from, any of your former teammates and just kind of what are you expecting from Dion to, uh, this this year? Yeah, I mean, from pictures and stuff, I know it doesn't do it justice or anything, but I've heard he's, as, as everyone calls him, a tank now, even more than he has been. I'm I'm excited to see. I heard he's gotten bigger. I heard he's gotten faster and everything. And, you know, whenever this time kind of comes around, you just kind of lock in mentally and you're in a different place whenever, whether it's spring ball or workouts in the summer and everything. It's just there's something different about going into fall camp and, and trying to get in that mindset to to make sure that you guys are all geared up and ready to go um, whenever that that first game comes around. You've obviously played with him for four years. Um, what was the most impressive thing? And we talked about him in the weight room last week, but maybe something different on the field. What, what impressed you the most about him? You know, when you played with him. Yeah, just just kind of his mindset during games and during practice and everything. He treated them both the same, whether it was game or practice. Anytime. He would go out for a pass and drop a ball. He would do push-ups. Um, was just couldn't really mess with him or joke with him on the sideline or anything because he was just always always locked in. And he's definitely a different person, like in the in the game, than he is outside of football and everything. So it was, I, I'm definitely not the not that way. I'm I'm very funny, joking guy. Whether it's game or outside of football, I just like whenever it comes time, I can flip that switch. But but he's definitely just in that mode all the time from day one of fall camp to the last game of the season. Yeah. Gavin would come over and talk to me during like in the middle of practice. Dion has never once done that in his life. He's, he's got, he's got other stuff going on. I he's, I think he's going to go over as barring injuries. And obviously, you know, if that happens then this will change, but I think he's going over a thousand yards this year, just from what I've seen, but it's not just him, man. Like Mike Franklin is gigantic. He's like six, two, I think two, two, I think they listen at two thirty. like, he looks like he's going to be a, kind of a different – I don't want to say like LeGarrette Blunt because obviously LeGarrette Blunt played 10 years in the NFL. Like that's a lot of expectations to put on a guy. But like that – he's I think he could be a, kind of like that kind of running back. Um, and then Torrance Burgess, uh, who you who was on the squad last year and redshirted, they're going to find some creative ways to use him, I think, because he is totally in terms of like like Hankins and, and Mike are kind of that more big bruising tailback. Torrance is like a scat back and like he's fast. I, I, he'll probably get used on kickoffs, maybe some punts. Like they will, I think that they'll be able to use him in some creative ways offensively. No, yeah, I agree. I think they'll kind of do what they did last year with Dion and Awat, where Awat was more of kind of the fast back and then Dion was more of the power back. So I think that they'll do that. And Torrance is just, he's quick, especially um, for his size and everything. He's kind of gets out on some wheel routes and stuff, really good hands and ability to catch the ball as well. So, so I think we'll, we'll see him a whole lot this year as well as uh, Dion. Got to talk to Dion earlier this week on Monday, I guess it was. Um, so we'll just uh, drop in this full interview here with, that we had with him. He had some really good stuff to say. He's always been a really good soundbite, but um, like I said, you know, you, you mature, you're 22, 23 years old. He's just super comfortable, kind of his own skin, in, in his own skin. I thought he had some really good things to say. So this is Dion Hankins. How do you feel like the first um, three, five, three, five days of camp have been going for you guys? And um, what's been, is there been anything that's in particular that's kind of impressed you the most about where you guys are at right now? Uh, the past few days have been great. Uh, I feel like everyone's coming along well, especially the, the younger guys. And I feel like the older guys are doing a great job leading the, the younger guys and just showing them the way we practice with intensity and just going after it every play. You're one of the old guys now, man. How's yeah, it feels crazy. I mean, time flies, you know, but I got to be where my feet are and just lead the young ones that are coming up. 
Has it has it flown by? Like, I mean, it, for you especially, because it just does it feel like just yesterday you stepped on the campus or anything like that? Yeah, it has flown by, especially like all the adversity I face and you know the pandemic and everything. And I feel like I still haven't really played to my potential yet, you know. And I feel like uh, it's, it'll be there, like if I just keep pushing. How do you uh, speak about potential? I mean, how do you get there now? Because um, this is—it seems like this is uh, 700 yards last year, but it seems like this is the year where you're gonna put it all together. Is that how you feel? Yeah, I do feel like that. I mean, I gotta do. Coach Neely is always harping on, you know, doing something that you've never done before if you want to get better. So, I've been spending more time in the building um, by myself and looking ahead at the plays and just trying to perfect um, every process that I um, got on every play, whether it's run or pass. When you watch film, I mean, what do you? Are you watching yourself from last year? Are you watching defenses for this year? I mean, what are you, what are you looking at the most right now? Uh, during the summer, we went over um, some of the defenses that we're going to be playing. And we also just uh, went back to the basics and looked at the run schemes and stuff. And as far as like the pullers and our processes and stuff, because it's easy to forget that. So just going back to it is always helpful. How is a uh, new offense, obviously new offensive coordinator, not a new coach, but new offensive coordinator. Mm -hmm. How has that maybe changed things up for you? Uh, I mean, for me, it hasn't really changed anything. You know, we we pretty much come up together, uh, Coach Scotty, Coach Neely, and I've had the same coaching staff since I've been here, so it just feels like a family over here. What are your, uh, like, obviously, I know, you know, team goals is conference championship, bowl game, all that. For you individually, I mean, what are your kind of your goals for this year? Uh, my goals are just like, like I said, I want to play up to my potential, whether run, pass, block, you know, whatever I need to do to help the team win, get to a conference championship or win a bowl game and also just be a thousand yard plus rusher and um, just take it one day at a time. That's it. Did you work at all on like breakaway speed in the offseason? Is there, is, there, is there a way to like develop that at all? Uh, I feel like since my legs are so like powerful, I tend to get like stiff in those areas. So I try my best to um, make sure that I'm eating right and stretching. So before I, I go to bed, I try to get like a little like yoga, hip flexor stretch and stuff. And I have felt like I got a little faster. So we'll see. <laughs> what do you, in terms of like the depth of the running back position, I mean, hopefully Aaron's able, able to be eligible. Mm -hmm. um, but if, even if he's not, I mean, what do you, how do you feel like about where things are at in that running back room? I feel like we got some, something special going on in the running back room. Everyone has their own talent. And like I said, everyone's coming along well. And we're, we're just like a brotherhood here. So uh, as the young ones come up and all they really need is just the confidence to execute their plays. But as far as the skill set, it's, it's there. Lastly, man, just you know, um, two more, I guess. The offensive line, I mean, just having so many experienced guys in front of you that yeah. I think Pro Football Focus had four of the five of them on their Conference USA list. Yeah. Just having a, a group like that in front of you, how helpful is that as a running back? Man, it's really helpful because I can't do what I do. The running back room can't do what we do if it wasn't for the the man in the trenches up front, you know, and during this off season, I feel like I've gotten a lot closer to my linemen just because we all have the same goal and the same aspirations and the same mindset. And I can feel it throughout the whole team. So I try to um, reward them from their hard work and just make sure I'm reading them right and stuff and trying to make a big play. Lastly, uh, I just like your quarterback, Gavin. Um, this will be what, year four for you guys, like, right next to each other mm -hmm. starting. Um, how is that? relationship developed over the last few years for you guys? Uh, for us, it's more of like a brotherhood. I feel like before I was just like robotic kind of on the field, but now I'm a lot more comfortable um, talking to the to the, the quarterback, to Gavin and stuff, especially from the off season, putting in so much work together and stuff. Like we're going to get close and we have gotten closer and stuff. So um, that all that stuff off the field just translates to how we play on the field. Again, that was running back Dion Hankins entering his fifth season um, at UTEP. I think he's going to go for a uh, thousand yards. That, that would be my prediction um, for him. Gavin, do you have a, any hot Deontay Hankins takes before we move on? Um, yeah, I think a thousand yards. He, he will definitely reach that. And I, I feel like he's going to have 10 to 15 touchdowns this year as well on top of that. So I think he's going to have a couple big, big games coming out. And then he even could reach that 20, 20 touchdown mark. But I know that, He's gonna he's gonna have a couple games where he scores multiple touchdowns. He only had three last year, which touchdowns. I mean, which was surprising. It seems like he's always like that short yardage, like down by the goal line guy, and only three of them last year. So I think I agree with you. I think that'll be something he gets more of this year. Um, Want to move on to the wide receiver position next? Um, the best recruit they got at the wide receiver position, maybe for the team, was getting Tyron Smith to come back. Um, from Texas A&M, which we've discussed a little bit, just how he got there and wasn't totally what he thought it was going to be uh, in College Station, which I lived there for three years. I could have told him that. 
should have asked me. <laughs> um, but there's certainly a guy that they're happy that he's returning, obviously over a thousand yards, over 70 catches was the, had, I think seven touchdowns last year. Um, but with, you know, so you kind of know what he's going to be able to do. It's finding that second and third guy behind him. It was Ray Flores last year, but they were hoping it was going to be, I thought they were going to hoping it was going to be Kelly Akari and he never completely developed into that. Um, talking to Dana today, Dana Dimmel, it seems like he Kelly's having like a pretty good camp, but at that wide receiver position, like who do you think needs to kind of be stepping in and filling those roles? Because that's, that's been a spot, you know, last year that was, I think a little bit of a weakness, just not having completely like a, a second or third, like major threat uh, that could catch the catch, catch balls from Gavin. Yeah, I definitely feel after last year and kind of not really letting down, but not having as good of a season that I know that he could have. I know Kelly this year is definitely going to step up and try to take that number two role under Tyron and as well as uh, Jeremiah Ballard. I feel like he he played in a couple games. I remember he had that touchdown against Boise State last year. Um, he, he's got a good a good chance to step up in there. As well as um, I forgot his name, the UTSA transfer receiver. Oh yeah, Drew Spriggs. Like, yep, I feel like he will he will definitely have have a good season. He's just got to get that chemistry with Gavin. Um, and I also feel some some someone that they kind of always seem to get left out and everything. But I think Marcus Bellin is going to surprise a lot of people this year. Um, from what I can have seen him do on punt returns, and then he had one or two touchdowns this past year where he spun off, broke a couple tackles and and took it to the house. So I feel that he's going to have a standout year this year as well. So I'm, I'm excited to kind of see what he's going to do with that. Yeah. Bellin seems to have had, like he's, he just finds a way to get open. He's just kind of one of those guys where, you know, he, he's somehow just in the middle of the defense wide open and he, and he catches the ball. He's had, Seemingly, uh, you know, from what I've seen, has had had some good practices. Spriggs, uh, he made a nice catch um, in like a two-minute drill portion of practice for a touchdown a couple of days ago. It seems like he's coming along a little, maybe a little slower than they were hoping he would. But um, nonetheless, I mean, he he looks like a freak athlete. Um, and then I got to Ballard's actually one of the guys that we talked to earlier this week. And he said something interesting that I didn't even realize is the wide receivers, and I, I'm, I bet it's the same for the running backs and the offensive linemen. If it's this way for the wide receivers, they are required to learn as part of the offense. Like they learn everything that they're supposed to do as a wide receiver, but they also learn everything that the like the every offensive lineman is doing, and every running like the running backs and the quarterbacks. So like on any given play, the wide receivers know exactly where everybody is supposed to be. Did you like? Were you aware of that? That was like the case and. I mean, it just, that seems like a lot. I mean, it just seems like a lot and it, it kind of makes sense for like in this system, it does seem like wide receivers for you to kind of take a little bit longer to develop. And I'm curious, maybe that's why. Yeah. I always knew, I didn't necessarily know that they um, had learned everyone else's role. I knew that they would learn all the other wide receivers roles. So they would know what they were doing as well as themselves. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's a whole lot of information that you got to keep in the dome when it, when it comes to just being a receiver. And then on top of that, you got to catch the ball and then figure out where you're going to run on top of that. So I feel like that is, that could be one of the reasons why some receivers kind of develop a little slower because they do have to worry about, it seems like so much else other than what they're supposed to do. And you hear about it for quarterbacks. I mean, like that's, that's kind of like a given that every quarterback is, supposed to know what every other player on the team is doing at any given time. I, I don't think I've ever heard a wide receiver say that. So um, yeah, very, you know, very interesting, but I, you know, Ballard, he certainly looks the part. He kind of like Spriggs, like he looks the part of a, of a division one wide receiver made some plays last year, but they definitely need more from him um, this time around. Um, and yeah, I mean, I asked Dana about Akari specifically because I like I think theoretically he's probably the guy that's going to be their number two wide receiver. Dana says he's having a good camp, but um, where do you see like maybe areas of improvement for him this year? Um, I feel like there was some, some times where there'd be a ball in his hands and he'd drop it. Um, And then also a lot of the, of the game that I've heard about him was also through his mental game. Like he would kind of get in his own head a lot of the time. So I feel like if he can 
improve in those two areas, he's definitely going to have a, have a great year uh, this year. Talk to, like I said, a couple of the wide receivers uh, this week. We talked to Tyron. Well, we talked to Tyron last week, but um, it was after we recorded this uh, the first week's podcast. So I want to play a little bit of audio from Tyron here, as well as from Jeremiah Ballard. Uh, all right, Tyron. Uh, you know, first day of fall camp, man. I guess just what was the general feeling to be back on a uh, Glory Field preparing for uh, twenty twenty for the twenty twenty three season? Man, it, you know, it's a great feeling. I'm glad to be back. Glad to be back with the guys. You know, we had a good first day. Uh, we just got to keep on stacking this first day, you know, and keep building from here. How important, sorry, James, how important are these, you know, next 25 practices before you guys get down to the real deal? Oh, man, they're very important. You know, every every practice is important. You know, everybody on this team knows that. You know, how we had uh, five, only five wins last year. We need we need more than that. You know, we're trying to win the whole thing this year. So everybody knows how important these, you know, these uh, next couple of practices are. You know, that journey during the offseason, what was that like for you um, to go through? And, and what was the ultimate decision to, to be right back here where you started? I mean, man, I, I really don't want to get too too into, you know, the whole situation or nothing like that. I'm just glad to be back here with my guys and, you know, ready to work. Yeah, and, you know, talking with Coach Demo, he was saying that um, a lot of the guys around you have also gotten a lot better. Just how exciting is that for you to know that um, when you're out there, you're going to have a lot of – talented weapons alongside. Man, it's going it's to bring the whole team together. You know, having just more than, you know, just one person, you know, just go out there and do their job, you know, it's it's going to hope it up for the whole team, you know. So we we need more more guys, you know, just, you know, stepping up and, and making big plays, you know. So it, it can bring the whole the whole team together. Uh, just, you know, when it comes to yours and Gavin's, you know, uh, chemistry, do you think that's that still needs some work after the time you guys had off together, or just where do you guys go from here? I mean, we, we can always build on and getting better as a chemistry, you know, that, to me, that, that sky's the limit to that, you know, so uh, basically you just keep coming out there, like, like you said, these next 25 practices, and, you know, we just all got to keep, keep building and keep uh, stacking brick by brick. I've asked everybody, how do you feel about the new Adidas drip for this season? Oh man, I like them. You know, I during high school, you know, I had I had Adidas, so going back to Adidas, I like them. They just they fit better than me, but you know, as far as the gloves, I do like Nike gloves, but uh, Adidas will make it work. And then uh, last one, I have just your thoughts on the '80s throwback uniforms. Yeah, they I, I like them a lot too. They fire to me. You know, uh, just with that baby blue and that orange, that white, and I can't wait to wear them that that first week. Or that second week, I should say. Last question for me, I guess. Just talk. It's been a while since you'd seen Gavin when you came back out here. What what kind of progression have you seen from him since last year? And a lot, you know, just being a leader, you know, stepping up in that, you know, being that leader role, you know, just, you know, just making, you know, smart smart decisions and stuff like that. You know, we he's came a long way since the first, you know, the first season I played with him, and it's you know it's, it's great to see that improvement from him. How excited are you just to be back here with your guys like here at UTEP? Oh. Yeah. Extremely excited, you know. I'm, I'm ready to keep uh, keep building with these uh, my guys out here, and uh, just just ready to work. I'm kind of week zero to the to the end of the season, you know. I'm just ready to work, head down, and keep grinding, and just go build something special here. I guess first of all, man, uh, coming back off of last year, um, how are you maybe hoping to play a bigger role in the in the receiving game for this team this year? Uh, every game contribute. Uh, it's a big big like part of my role. I want to be. In the offense is, you know, I want to make sure I contribute a lot to stats and to the team, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I want to make sure they can uh, depend on me and lean on me to make plays unlike last year. Gotcha. Do you think, um, in terms of just being like a, like I guess a quote-unquote like everyday guy, like how has that kind of helped? Just as you've kind of matured and, and gotten a little more used to the system and everything here. Oh, uh, well, you know, coming in, especially to this system, it's rough. So being here, you know, everyday guy, you know, things start coming along, which makes everyday easier and the process way more, um, I guess, you know, pleasing to do because when you come in here, you know, at first, you know, it feels like everything's such a burden, you know what I mean? So, yeah, like I said, being an everyday guy just makes it more way easier. What is it about this system that's maybe a little more difficult to adjust to as a, as a wide receiver? Uh, well, I say, like, our coaches, they, they like to have the receivers learn every position. You know, a lot of schools, all you have to do is learn one spot, and that's, you know, that's your spot. You just know every round in that spot, but here, you have to know, you know, every you have to know what the centers do. You know, usually at some schools, you know, they just know what the receiver does, but here they want you to know what the centers do, the O line, you know, and tight ends, you know, in every X Y Z uh, position on the field. So, how you know, how comfortable are you with that now? We're very comfortable. This is my third fall camp, yeah. so 
everything's coming along way easier than even last year, you know, so everything's coming along way better. Seems like it's probably you, obviously Tyron and, and Kelly is kind of like the, the one, yeah. two, three. Yes, sir. Overall, the chemistry between you guys and then with, with Gavin as well, kind of how is that now? Um, way better in the past, from the past. Uh, all summer we've had uh, player ran practices. So that about three, two times a week, uh, even four or five, we'll come out here and get some work, make sure that chemistry up. It's built a lot more, so yeah. Gotcha. Uh, and then just overall thoughts on how fall camp's gone for it, for you individually? Uh, personally, best fall camp I've had since I've been here. I'd say uh, first year I got here, I had a pretty good fall camp, but I was getting told what to do, you know, from the side. My coach was like, yep, stop, right, you go, you know. But now everything's rolling along in my head uh, just by myself. So yeah, this fall camp, personally, i say it's the best I've had, and I'm loving it. Just keep rolling. All right, that was Jeremiah Ballard and Tyron Smith, wide receivers for UTEP. Definitely guys that the Miners offense will need to uh, get some production from if they're going to – be what Gavin hopes and what I think they can be this year uh, in 2023. Moving on to another, it was a spot that we were, we discussed as like a fall camp kind of question mark last week was the defensive backs. Um, and I, I wouldn't say all of my questions have been answered because it's fall camp. It's, you know, it's practice. Like you can't really tell everything from practice, obviously. Um, but I think the secondary has, has been solid. Um, through the first, you know, for the first week of camp, like the cornerback spot is is super deep, super deep. You have uh, Mir Boyd Matthews, who's coming on strong as a redshirt freshman, didn't play a whole lot last year. Tory Richardson, back from an ACL injury. Uh, Trez, also, Latrez Shelton has changed his name to Trez Moore. Oh. So, everybody, it's official on the roster, but Brett Bloomquist and I broke the news to Dana Dimmel the other day so Dana did not know um <laughs> so yeah Trez Latrez Shelton is now Trez Moore he's back and another guy that I is going to see a lot of time in that secondary unit at the corner is AJ Odoms um and then at safety it's of course Kobe Hilton and Mikel I think Mikel Broussard um has has seemingly had a had a pretty good camp too um so I just I just feel like I named 30 players just there and I didn't do that because like I'm just I'm not just listening, guys like they are really cycling in that many guys. And I think in a way it's because I mean, that's a good thing because the the depth they have at that position. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, it's good to have have a good amount of depth in that position, especially with uh, last year, whenever we would kind of throw some guys in there because some of their injuries and stuff. And we didn't have a, a whole lot of of defensive backs. And that was kind of a downfall on our defense. So I feel like it's good that we have a lot of guys returning back and coming back off injury such as Tory, um, I feel like he will be a, a big part this year because the year before, whenever he played, I, I feel he did a pretty good job um, and kind of being playing his role and everything. So um, and then obviously looking to to continue that that upward trajectory this year. Um, and then our safeties, um, I feel like uh, Kobe is going to have another good year like he did last year. Um, and then as well as whoever else we're going to put in in that role. I think Mikel, um, if he stays healthy, he'll have a pretty good season as well. Yeah, and that's the guy that they're kind of more – I wouldn't say penciled in, but he's the guy that's been seemingly taking a lot of the the uh, first-team snaps, the nickelback position, probably Josiah Allen. He's, I think, like a minor, minor injury, has, has missed a couple of practices, but, like, he's out there and, like, you know, it doesn't – there's you, you kind of you you know this um kind of what I'm talking about like you can you can always tell like when a guy is like okay you're not like like if you needed to be playing like you you would be that's yeah. how it is for Josiah Allen so it's not, I don't think it's anything to worry about at all um the Odom's guy from New Mexico and obviously you first of all transfers from other Division one universities I just I just feel like UTEP doesn't get a lot of them um it's a lot of junior college guys basically basically that's it and you know, for him to drive three and a half hours down I ten I twenty five I ten to UTEP, I mean that it seems like I mean, he seems like he's he's pretty solid. Um, from, you know, from what I've seen, uh, you touched on Tory as well. I'm just happy for that guy. Uh, for um, you know, the chance that he has to be back from injury. Um, I know it, was, it happened during fall camp last year. Um, you know, which that's tough, right? Like you go through all of spring ball to get ready, even portions of fall camp to get ready for the year, and then. You know, you get shut down midway through fall camp with an injury. So I'm happy he's back.
No, yeah, that's that's always the worst feeling whenever you're preparing all off season and then all summer and then all fall camp and then something comes and happens that is going to put you out for the season. That's just kind of a tough a tough mindset to get through and to work through because it feels like everything that you did previously is is now a waste and and the the season obviously you're not going to be able to play so it just seems like you're letting people down and everything but you just got to take every day with a stride you got to remember that it's okay that that happened like there's not really much you can do about it and then you just got to continue to work and get better and kind of get out of that slump of in that depression that you have that you can't play and everything cuz you know that everyone says that a minor setback for a major comeback so so you just got to live that day by day and hopefully we can see Tori this year have that major comeback. You had a chance to speak with him earlier this week, actually. So here is Tori Richardson back from an ACL injury. Kind of if you could put into words like what that was like last year for you, just getting hurt in fall camp, not being able to play, and, you know, having to watch kind of a disappointing year. What was, how hard was that for you? Um, it was definitely a mental battle, you know, because I wasn't expecting to miss the whole season. You know, I worked real hard my teammates all summer. And then for it to be ended before it even started, you know, it hurt and I couldn't help my team. But, you know, we back now, so. How have you uh, kind of, I guess, stepped back into the role that you that was there? You know, you were going to obviously be a, that starting cornerback. How have you maybe stepped back into that role this year? Are you working your way back in? Did you jump right back in immediately? How did it go for you? Um, it's a little bit of both. Kind of easing me back in and kind of throwing me out there so I can really get my feet wet, get back used to, you know, being on the field, guarding routes, coming in the run game, just playing football all together. You know, I got to get back used to that. But I feel like it's coming along day by day. So. How long have you been, like, 100% for About... Two and a half weeks, maybe. Yeah, since since yeah, since we started camp, like in the workout. So, just getting used to everything still. Are you like you're comfortable? You're not even wearing a brace. So. Oh yeah, nah, no brace. Nah, I'm good. It feel good. I took a whole year, so yeah, I'm good to go. What do you like most? Obviously, I know there's a lot of talent in that DBs right now. Mm -hmm. um, what do you like most about kind of kind of the whole unit? Uh, I think this is the closest we've been. Definitely since like the bowl game here, you know, we all real close, safety's corner, nickel, we all a brotherhood. We all love each other, we take care of each other, we give each other criticism and, you know, we just make each other better. So I like that about us a lot. It seems like with you and Trez and Josiah Allen, um, like it just seems like there's so much, you know, like really good talent there mm -hmm. that, at that cornerback position uh, in, in particular. Just how do you guys kind of play off and feed off each other in that, in that regard? Everybody just make plays and we celebrate and then turn us up and make and one of us want to go make a play because we saw one of our other teammates did. And we just feed off the energy. You know, like I said, we pick each other up when we down and when we up, we all celebrate. And that's just how we keep things flowing smooth. What did you learn about yourself last year when you were kind of going through it? Uh, I realized I'm a lot stronger mentally than I thought I was. I had to take like 10 steps back and look at everything outside of football as well as just life. And I feel like my setback really just made me stronger overall as a person. I'm proud of that. And I'm closer to God. I'm blessed to be back. So, yeah. What is, uh, for you, like, what is the you know, biggest goals for this year as you get back within, within the team? Um, well, I mean, team goal, conference championship, win as many games as possible. We're trying to do all that. Secondary, we want to be one of the best in the country, if not the best, best in the conference for sure. And just want to help my team win. And that was Tori Richardson. Um, yeah, so those are some first week of fall camp thoughts. We'll kind of do that every week here as the Miners get closer to opening the season August 26th on the road to Jacksonville State. Um, like I said, we are we're doing this once a week for sure. And if we it's kind of just kind of contingent on both of our schedules here. Um, just making sure we find a day that works out. So I would if we can do more than one day, we definitely will, but definitely once a week on the podcast. But um, Gavin, I want to transition into uh what will probably be the most controversial part of today's podcast, uh, picking UTEP's record for the 2023 season. We will go through game by game late on a later podcast and like pick each game today. I just wanted to do like, what do you think their record is going to be? Um, last year when I did this, uh, I actually picked you guys to go eight and four last year. Oh, and I was wrong. Yeah. Um, just a little. I was, yeah. But like, <laughs> if if you look back, man, like I think there were like you went five and seven, obviously. Like there were three games on there that were very winnable. Like the New Mexico, like you should have won the New Mexico game up in yeah. Albuquerque. Like that's pro that's the one to me, like more than any other game, that's the one that hangs like hangs over your the head, the proverbial head of that team more than anything. Uh and then obviously like Middle Tennessee, 
was very winnable. Rice was very winnable. And then the UTSA, like, yeah, I, I don't five and seven, but it could have been like eight and four, nine and three. So, yeah. no, I don't, I don't disagree with you there. I think that to go from losing 27 to 10 against New Mexico and then winning 27 to 10 against Boise State, I just feel there's so many inconsistencies last year with, with the UTEP team that. I mean, obviously, it would have been great to go to a bowl game, but we were just too inconsistent of how we played to, to I think, achieve that bowl game. Yeah, it was unfortunate because it was going to be Hawaii. Yeah. Pour some that out. Is. Pour some out. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, we won't, we won't dwell on the on opportunities lost anymore. We'll uh, get into this year's slate. So, I'll go over, first of all, the schedule as a whole. August 26th on the road at Jacksonville State, September 2nd home versus Incarnate Word, September 9th and 16th, two power five road games at Northwestern, then Arizona, September 23rd back home versus UNLV, September 29th home again versus Louisiana Tech, a bye week, and then that's when the schedule switches from to the Wednesday, the midweek games, uh, October 11th on the road at FIU. October 18th, Battle of I-10 versus New Mexico State at Sumble, then October 25th on the road at Sam Houston, November 4th, home versus Western Kentucky, November 18th on the road at Middle Tennessee, and then they close things out uh, at home November 25th. So 1.30 kickoff versus Newcomer Liberty. So uh, I will give you the floor first. Um, what is your projected record for the 2023 Miners and why? Um, Let's see. I'm going to say that we're going to go 7-5. and five. And then I feel that they're going to win a bowl game. Okay. So I'm going to say eight and five is going to be their finished record. Um, I say that I feel like we're going to start off with a win at Jacksonville State, um, a win at home for 80s night versus Incarnate Word. I think there's no way they lose on 80s night. And then I think Especially, we were talking about this earlier. You're going to, you're probably going to be there. So they can't lose with, yeah. they can't lose when the goat comes back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then UTEP hasn't really had some good success against uh, uh, power five schools and everything. So I think against Northwestern, that, that one's going to be an L in, in the big 10 um, Arizona pac 12. I think that's also going to be an L the um, reun reunite. No reunited with jacob cowling that'll yeah. be that'll be a good one right there yeah um i think unlv i think we're gonna we're gonna take the dub there so that's gonna be three and two right there la tech at home i feel like we always play good against la tech at home so i yeah. think that's also gonna be gonna be a, a dub there and then fiu has always not been the best um so i think we're gonna go and hopefully get our second East coast win against FIU there. They should. Um, they should. If they, they should, if they, if they're going to a bowl game, that's, that's one of the ones. Yeah. They have that, to win. That's a must win there. And then New Mexico state. I think this one's going to be a close game like it was last year, but I think that the miners are going to take that. going to take that game. So that's going to be starting off six and two, maybe one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Yeah, six and two. Yeah, six and two. I think you have them. Yeah, you have them six and two entering or five and two. Is it one, two, three, five and two entering the NMSU game? So six yep. and two. Yeah. So then I think they're gonna. That one's gonna be a good game. I think New Mexico State's gonna have a good record entering that one as well. So I think that'll be a good game. Um. So going six and two. Um. And then we're gonna continue to ride that wave of 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 a bowl game. So we're gonna go seven and two versus Sam Houston. Um, and then I think Western Kentucky is just with their quarterback and their receivers and everything. I think they're going to be a really hard game. So I'm going to chalk that one up as an L and then middle Tennessee. We just have never found a way to, to beat them since I was there. So I think that's also going to be an L and then I think Liberty um, they're, they're a hit or miss team, yeah. but I feel like this on November 25th, they're going to bring it. And I think that's going to be, um, the miners finish it up there at seven and five. I can't really argue with that. Uh, I also, I also think they're going to go seven and five. Um, man, you were, you went bold and picked the picked the bowl game victory. I'll I'll be the contrarian and say they won't win that bowl game, but it's not because 
I'm trying to be a jerk. I just I'm <laughs> I, I'm going with history, but history, you know, it, at some point the the bull losing streak has to end. And I think so. it, I think it's this year. I, I really I really do. I think that if everyone stays healthy and and the miners are able to kind of produce what what I've seen and what I know they'll be able to, I think that I think this is the year that they go in and they and they win a bull game. Yeah, I'm saying seven and five. I agree. It has to be a two and zero oh start. Um, that Jacksonville State game is going to be harder than I think maybe people are realizing. Like they're they're yeah. a good team at the FCS level. Um, Incarnate Word, they dude, they made the FCS semifinals last year. They lost a lot, but like they didn't lose everybody, and I think they have a pretty good recruiting class. So that would be it's a game again. You have to win that game. Yeah, um, but don't sleep on it. Northwestern Arizona, I agree. UNLV. I think I agree with you as a win in Louisiana tech. Um, yeah, I think, I think we kind of agree on that first, those first seven games, like a five and two start. Um, and MSU, I'll, I will give them, I'll give them a win just cause they're at home. Sam Houston is probably a win. So a seven and two start. And yeah, I think I, I'm going to agree with you kind of like <laughs> kind of your entire logic. I think that that's a good way to look at it, but you know, there's also so many coin flip games there too. Yeah, that, that's like, what I was gonna say. Like the, it, it's a lot like last year where, you know, you end up five and seven, but I mean, you there's just there's like three play three or four plays that keep you from being six and six or seven and five or eight and four and even nine and three. Like there's as crazy as it is to say, like that was a possibility last year. If yeah, things go there's, there's a there's a quote that one of the coaches throws around that it's not the better team that wins. It's the better. It's the team who plays better that day is yeah. going to win. So yeah. that, that there are definitely definitely a couple of coin flips here. But I feel that that the miners are going to come out on top on a couple of the coin flips. Obviously picked to finish sixth in the conference USA standings preseason. Phil Steele, though, has them second playing in the conference USA title game. So Phil, St- Phil Steele knows the stuff. Um, he, he does. It sounds like I need to. I need to talk to this guy. <laughs> yeah, maybe you should write for him. Maybe is, <laughs> is Gavin Phil Steele? Maybe maybe we're pulling the curtain back here. So, uh, like I said, we'll kind of as we go on in the podcast later, like we'll uh, in later weeks, we'll kind of like I think get into more like breakdowns of the schedule and everything. And obviously, like game weeks, we'll be doing full on like matchup previews and everything. But I think that was a good way to do it for now. Uh, we want to get into some listener questions here. Uh, we had four of them this week, Gavin. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, I was I was pretty excited. I'm gonna start with this one, um, because it is just a great uh, segue from what we were just talking about. The question from the listeners: Which games are circled on the calendar? So Ooh. I'll go first. Um, I the first one I would circle is the Arizona game for what you described. It's the it's the the battle, the battle for Jacob Cowing, uh, winner, <laughs> winner of that game gets rights the rights to his college stats. Um, that's and I just like, you know, it's it's a game that I think a lot of UTEP fans are probably gonna be able to travel to. Like Tucson's only three and a half, four hours away. Uh, Eight p.m. kickoff that night, so have plenty of time to get lubricated pregame for any minor fans heading over there. Um, that would be. I'm gonna let's let's each do three here. Um I would do so I would take I would take Arizona. Um and then I would do the obviously Battle of I ten. You know, that's the one it's their one home game. It's a one ho- one home Wednesday game in that month of October. Obviously a big rivalry game. So that's the one I would circle. Um and then I would do Western Kentucky because like you said, like their quarterback, their wide receiver are getting all of this publicity coming into the season about and i mean well it's for good reason like they they can go um and they haven't been here in or i think since 2018 was the last time western kentucky was here maybe 2019 so it's you know it's a team you haven't seen in a while even though they've been in the conference this entire time team that's picked by most people to win the league so that's just that's kind of a cool matchup um and if you know if you win that game you know you, you know, we could be talking about a conference title, you know, who knows? Um, so those would be the three that I would circle. Yeah. So for me, I'm going to start off with incarnate word. That's the first one I'm going to circle just because that's the first home game of the new season. 
Um, there's no no secret that UTEP's a lot better at home than we are away. So I think that's going to be kind of one that shows if we are going to continue that this year or if it's going to be kind of like some of the years before where home and away weren't our, our strong suits. <laughs> yep. Um, the next one I'm going to go with would probably as well be that Arizona game just because that is kind of Arizona's all has been lacking the past couple of years. I think last year they had a better season, but I feel like that that'll be a pretty good game, especially with, with what has happened from transfers and everything. Um, and then the last one I'm going to go to, yeah, I think has to be the New Mexico state game. I think there's no doubt about it. Everyone knows that that one is, and it's the hundredth battle of I 10, you know? Right. So that one's even, even bigger than the 99th. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It only gets bigger with the hundred first. Yeah. And then the hundred second just keep stacking them. (laughs) (laughs) So, all right, let's move on to the next uh, question. I should have uh, the tower. The question is how are the miners in the secondary, particularly with the cornerback position? We're going to skip that one because I feel like we answered it earlier. Um, moving on to uh, the next one with the departure of Calvin Brownholtz, who will be the backup quarterback? Any quarterbacks who have the ability to run an option play like Brownholtz could? So, I think the obvious. It, it there really hasn't been any secret at all that it's Jake McNamara and Kevin Hurley. Um, battling it out for the backup job and i i think in different scenarios obviously like obviously they want gavin hardison to play that bulk of the snaps i don't know like calvin would have like a they like would throw him in for like like special like packages like for down yeah, and short, short fourth downs and and then some like trick play stuff we would yeah. throw him in yeah i don't totally know that they'll be doing that with hurley and and or mcnamara i think that this is I think that they'll kind of be like your typical like um, backup quarterback where it's like, all right, if, you know, if maybe if Gavin's not playing well or if he gets hurt like he did last year, like, you know, maybe maybe they go to him. But they're two different players. So like McNamara is one of those guys. He's he's so he's small. He's like, what do they list him at? I got to pull it up. They list him at 5'11". I don't think he's 5'11". I don't think I think someone lied about that. Yeah, and then Kevin is listed at six three, which I would I would believe that. So size wise, they're different players. Um, but they like Jake is like when he's even last year, like he looked good when he came yeah. in. Former former three star recruit Kevin coming in from I think Southern Miss as a transfer a few years back has kind of had to work his way in the system. Was third string last year. Um, never saw any time, but like I've kind of liked what I've seen from both of them in in fall camp. Again, it's it's just so hard. It's just so hard to tell. I think with quarterbacks, um, just because like they'll blow the they'll blow the play dead like the second anybody gets near them, and you know it's just kind of it's hard to say completely. I feel like all the time, but I think both of them have have had good camps, and I don't think that they're. This isn't a situation where I think like UTEP is completely screwed if they have to go to one of the one or the other one or the other of these guys. Yeah, and I mean it's it's kind of hard to compare them because they are so different. So you got. And it, it depends on what Dimmel wants. If he wants kind of a, a quarterback that's very mobile but can also throw the ball, then that's Kevin Hurley right there. He's, from what I can remember last year, he was a very good scrambler whenever the time came. Um, and then if you want just a, a bigger pocket presence and someone who sticks in there and will throw the ball but also take hits, then that's going to be Jake. He, he's got a really, really good arm and good presence in the pocket, but I feel like it's it's really, really hard to kind of – compare and contrast what they have because they are two totally different kinds of quarterbacks for sure but yeah i mean they're both again talented so whoever wins that job maybe it could be like a backup by committee like depending on the situation who you know just kind of spitballing here but they're both they're kind of like taking equal reps um in practice right now uh behind hardison so all right last listener question we've got is uh, will the UTEP offense be a little bit more organized to this point, to the point this 2023, where they don't have to call a timeout before the first play of the series? A little bit of a tongue-in-cheek shot there, I think. Um, but, no, I mean, I think that I, I it's worth talking about, though, I think, because that was an issue at times last year was kind of like the timeout management. The Rice game, I think, is one that really looms large to me, um, where there was some issues with the timeouts. Um 
And it's, I mean, it's something I think we, we've haven't shied away from asking Dana about it uh, in press conferences. And I mean, he's acknowledged like, yeah, I need to be better about that. Um, so it's just, you know, sometimes, sometimes there's nothing you can do about it. Right. It's, you know, it's clock, you know, play clocks winding down and you, know, you got to take one, but yeah, I think I would agree with the the person who asked this question. Like I, I would like to see a little bit better timeout management this year, Gavin. Oh yeah. I a hundred percent agree. It was always frustrating the start of every, not every drive, but start of the drive and they're running out there and then, Gavin's kind of sitting behind the ball, making uh, audibles and stuff, and then play clock's running down, call a timeout. I mean, it's the first play. We should kind of already have it out there, already have it in the mind, and then call audibles off that rather than kind of going out there, looking over to the sideline, um, checking the play, and then trying to check out of anything. There was always always pretty frustrated whenever stuff like that happens. And then one thing that, that I can kind of add on to that that – would be kind of more dear to to me is that for the field goals, I know there's plenty of times where Playcock would start at 40 or 30, whatever it would start at during, or I guess it's what, 25, whenever the play is already going Yeah. after it. So it'd be 25 and then uh, Dimmel would kind of wait to send us out till there was 12, 10 seconds on the play clock. And that's like sprinting out there, getting set and then, yeah trying to give yourself time because there's multiple times where we would run out there with five seconds left and it's like we can't even kick a field goal so we got to call the timeout so there's just there's just the definitely play clock management i i really hope improves this year and and i think that it will be something that they work on a lot more yeah and obviously like there's more to it than just like like what you're describing with the offense like there's more to it than just like hey snap the dang ball like yeah he's he's looking he's looking at you know 12 different things on the defense like and if, if he sees something he doesn't like that i mean he's got to make the check yeah you, you know he has to and obviously whenever it's the first play of the of the drive and everything the defense is going out there with kind of throwing everything that they can to try to trick um the offense so they're not kind of calling plays on the fly based on the offense so the first one they're running out there and gavin has to make checks um with the defense so it's definitely that's probably the hardest time for him at least because the defense could be doing something totally different than he has seen. Um, so I think that that's something that, that he can definitely kind of not control, but also get better at by trying to pick up on these defenses that, that he may not have seen a lot faster than he had last year. Yeah, definitely. And again, he's, you know, he, this will be year four as a starter for him now. So I, I think with anything like you improve, with with more and more experience the same thing goes for coach Dimble. i mean i get it he's been doing it for 35 40 years at this point but whatever it is um but everybody you know it's a it's a fact of life you know you just kind of improve at what you do as, as you keep doing it so you know it's i'm sure it's something that they've talked about and discussed in the offseason again we brought it up with in in the media so like if we're bringing it up i can't, I can't imagine somebody on the coaching staff hasn't also you know oh, no, yeah there's so there's definitely been times on the sideline where things kind of get a little heated because of that but i think that that this year hopefully we don't see it as much for sure well the last thing i wanted to talk about before we get out of here um is a little bit more somber um and that's why i wanted to save it till the the last thing of course today um is august 3rd 2023 is the four-year anniversary of the uh, shooting on August 3rd, 2019 um, at the Sela Vista Walmart here in El Paso. Um, killed 23 people, um, left over 20 other people um, injured. You know, obviously the psychological damage to people who were just there at the Walmart that day, whether it was shopping or, you know, if you were working, first responders, um, all of that. Um, and I think just people in El Paso, I mean, I, I can certainly say, like, it's something that has definitely kind of affected who i've who i am as a person like since then for sure um it's just it's it's certainly it's a tough i think it's just a tough day um but also you know you want to you want to make sure like you are remembering you know everybody who died um obviously and the the trial for the guy is going on right now so that has certainly brought up a lot of um bad memories for i think a lot of people here but um no i just wanted to kind of have a quick discussion about it when it I know we, we usually save this segment for Gavin's story time. I guess that's this is in a way is that, but um 
I guess I'll kind of start it off like that day. I was actually at UTEP football practice, like when this with this all started, because it was like the second day of fall camp. I was way too worried about whether Kai Loxley was going to start over Brandon Jones um, that season. And then you're just like seeing your phone like blowing up, blowing up, blowing up. Like what is going on? Um, and then you like you like you, know, you see what's going on. And dude, by the end of practice, I remember we were interviewing TJ Goodwin, the former quarterback. And like all of the reporters' phones like went off with the uh, Amber Alert or like the, you know what I mean like the Amber Alert sound about it. And yeah. TJ like, TJ like had no, obviously no idea what was going on, and he said something like, "Oh, like the you know somebody's car must have gotten stolen." And like we were like, "No, I mean actually like this like this is like this this is what happened." And like it was I just I will always remember that and like then just kind of like springing into action at the station and like you know just going and cover you know covering and reporting on like whatever they needed me to that day but um what do you remember about that day and then it's just like kind of what did the what did they say to you guys like i think because i remember you guys left for Ridoso like the very next day but what do you remember about that day and like maybe what the coaching staff told you or guys that you know from el paso like kind of what did they say about it and then um also like this you know when you guys opened the season the first game was against houston baptist at home and like obviously really emotionally like you guys I think wore a Paso strong stickers and it was super like it was like a really close game uh, you know like it just seemed like a really emotional day so I'll kind of you know floor is yours for that yeah so um started out like every other day I remember the usual stuff that we go through during practice and everything and then um finished practice up and then kind of got into the locker room and checked my phone and I saw like the reports and of everything that had happened and I mean, that's just like heartbreaking to see, especially that was that happened 10 minutes down the road um, from UTEP. So it was just kind of like a really scary kind of situation because you don't know, like if there's other people that are have the same mindset and they're needed a push to go do some horrible, horrible things like that. So we just kind of stayed in the locker room like. And I mean, we were all scared because you never know, someone could walk up to UTEP and do that exact same thing. There's so many people and a, a lot of the population that that was at utep at the time so i mean it was just a very very scary moment um and obviously um with everything that was going on it the that season was not for ourselves anymore is for the city and everything and and trying to help rebuild all the all the horrible things that had been done and try to give the the city something to to get on the back of rather than to think of the awful situation that occurred to try to bring some, some joy and some entertainment to the city of El Paso. What that game that did, obviously I know there's like a moment of silence, just kind of like, I, there's a few other things. Um, but what do you remember about that? You know, the first, the first home game. Oh yeah, it was, that was the first game um, where I had this starting field goal spot. So obviously there was a whole lot of things going through my mind, but, the the events that took place um earlier were obviously probably one of the front runners just thinking about because that had never happened any anything close to me like that you always see it on the news and everything of other places but then whenever it happens right down the road from you it's just kind of a a very very scary time so it was just going out there um had the moment of silence and everything and then just all the fans and everything you could tell that they weren't all like there was a lot of, of of people that game, but you could tell that their minds were kind of other places whenever it, it came to that. And a lot of the the players' minds were other places. And we just told ourselves like this isn't our season anymore. This is the city season. Like they need this and stuff. So we were just playing playing for the city and everything. And um it was just that was kind of the front runner on everyone's mind and and it was good. I believe we won that game. And it was kind of kind of one of those things where it's like you're so happy that you won, but then at the same time, it's just it's still in the back of your mind that that of what happened and everything. So it was just kind of a really unfortunate and not not good thing that happened, obviously. Um, so it was just like I said, the season wasn't about the season anymore. It was kind of about rebuilding the city and and trying to provide what we could to to everyone that was that that we had lost and and do our part of what we could. 
for sure man now i mean i just like i just remember you know more than anything obviously you remember like what happened and you know some of the images and you know stuff that come out came out of that day but i remember more than anything like the response from people um like i i said like that day i, I was kind of sent out to cover you know because nobody gives a damn about sports that day i mean yeah exactly. r- rightfully so like that like so i was just kind of trying to help out and fill in wherever i could and one of the spots that i got sent to was the was a um, blood donation spot on the west side um and there was hundreds of people like rat line out the door wrapped around the building to give blood um there were people like they were like to the point where they were turning people away because they're like we just we don't we can't, they're like we can't take this much blood from we just have, don't have the capacity to do it like we'll you know come back tomorrow and people who were being turned away were actually leaving going and getting food and water and like refreshments basically for the people who were already standing in line and hadn't been turned away and were just like passing like pizzas out to people in line and like water and it was just like it was just so cool to see like like no, these people weren't even affected. I mean, every I'm not I want I don't want to say affected, but like they weren't in the shooting, they weren't part of it, but like they still wanted to help some way, you know what I mean? And that was really cool to see. Like there was players from locomotive, El Paso Locomotive Soccer team, like they were in that line, um, like waiting to give blood because like they're they were supposed to play a game that night and they got canceled. Um, and right probably rightfully so. Like again, who cares about sports on a day like that? Um, but like no, it was just like that's really all I would want to say to kind of cap it off is just I was it was obviously terrible like you said and but to see how the city come came together and kind of like every single day every like every anniversary of August 3rd like today's I mean it's kind of a day of mourning but you know every everyone kind of takes their moment to you know think about it and um you know honor the victims and everything so um so like I said certainly something that will live on and um but as we've gotten farther, you know, further away from it, like I definitely think more of like the response than you know than anything else. So, but uh, thanks for letting us talk about that. I kind of I sprung that on Gavin, um, like midway through the podcast while we were recording it. I was like, hey, we should <laughs> we should touch on this. So um, that's it. Yeah, did you have anything else that you wanted to to talk about? Um, uh, now just prayers to the the families and their victims of of what happened four years ago and. Um, I'm glad that El Paso was able to bounce back. It was really good to see kind of what you said, like the outreach and everything of everyone kind of coming together. So glad that obviously it was a terrible situation, but glad to see that El Paso was able to kind of bounce back from that and not let fear creep into everyone's mind and everyone's just in terror. So for sure. Anything else on the UTEP, the 2023 UTEP minors? We will of course be back next week. Anything else you want to add, my man? No, I'm excited to to kind of see what what progresses over this next week and kind of report on on that. Cool. We will be back next week, episode two of the Mind Shaft. You can find us on all podcast uh, apps. Want again thank the 480 of you that downloaded the first episode, and do not forget you can get 15 percent off. I'm gonna read. I gotta read the promo correctly. You gotta. <laughs> you can get 15 percent off your first time purchase of any UTEP items. Uh, at home field just use the promo code dctf we will hopefully have our own promo code related to the mine shaft by the next time we record so be on the lookout for that this has been colin deaver gavin beckley with the mine shaft podcast a uh, dave campbell's texas football republic of football podcast we will see you next time